couple of Jews sitting around talking about baseball. Yeah, well, that's about to happen. Dan Epstein. All right, we're going. We got Dan Epstein here. Big hair, plastic grass. You know, one of the things about the show is that Charlie and I absolutely despise anyone promoting anything. Right. We, we hate any sort of, you know, like segmented, perfectly produced thing because we're absolutely not and we curse and it's not censored. Cool. But that, we, that works for me. We love baseball. Okay. So you, <laughs> my friend, are probably going to be the first and last thing where not only will I can probably continuously bring up Big Hair and Plastic Grass, and, much, and please, by the time this runs, the new one. Right, uh, Stars and Strikes. Ah, and what's the vibe there? Oh, the, the subtitle is Baseball in America in the Bicentennial Summer of 76. Oh. So it's oh. all, you know, Phillies, Royals, Yankees, Red Sox, <laughs> Mark Fidrich, Bill Veck. Yeah, uh, really I, one of the greatest uh, summers ever. That's well, and you know, this is kind of perfect because that summer, see, we're Jewish, all right, and I'm proud to say this. And most people think your bar mitzvah is when you're 13. Right. My bar mitzvah is when I discovered my older brother David's baseball cards. And, <laughs> then you became and, a man. I became a man. <laughs> and it was, it was a, I think I was five, so that summer I was five. Right. I was 10 that summer. Okay. So you far more aware of Willie Stargell and Rod Carew. And... I was, but but almost tangentially. Like I, at, up to that point in my life, I was a total like military history buff. Like my thing was like GI Joe, and then like books on the American Revolution and the Civil War, and you know summers I'd visit my grandparents in Alabama, and we'd you know go to like you know Jefferson Davis's house and wow. you know in, in Mississippi and stuff like that and and I was like you know I mean I grew up uh, the son of a Jewish sociologist so right. it's like and he loved baseball but it was like there was no pressure to get involved in sports in fact it was almost kind of like you know don't set yourself up for failure kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but what my bar mitzvah essentially, because actually I wasn't bar mitzvah, so this this oh. is as good as anything. Oh, it is your bar mitzvah. Um, I was, uh, April 76, I went with a bunch of my fourth grade friends uh, for my friend Tim's birthday uh, to a screening of the Bad News Bears, which oh. had just come out. And so, like, I hadn't played baseball up to that point i didn't even have like a mitt um but seeing these kids on screen like who could easily have been my friends you know me and my friends you know the way they swore the way they disrespected each other the way that you know they you know flouted authority like this was us up there and then we went back to tim's house uh, for you know, for cake and stuff afterwards, and our party favors and cigarettes and cigarettes, right? And cans <laughs> of beer. And, well, and his his parents were actually you know like like total like you know mid seventies hippies like drove us t- to the screening in like a conversion van. And oh, perfect stuff. But um, they gave us all uh, like three wax packs of Topps baseball cards, oh. and these are my first baseball cards. And it's like, like you know, I remember when Hank Aaron was chasing after Babe Ruth's record and all of this, but it was still like it was this other world. And then all of a sudden, you know, I open the pack and there's like the Hank Aaron record-breaking RBI card. Totally know that. Card. And and it was like, whoa, this is cool. I don't know what RBI means, but like <laughs> there he is swinging the bat. And this was also the year that uh, Tops had like the um, 
you know the um, spacing what the, the you know there was like 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 the original Hall of Famer cards or oh really you know there or actually they weren't original Hall of Famers I'm sorry I'm whiffing on this I actually just wrote about this and I can't believe that's all right anyway I don't remember the, the changes to right any song <laughs> written, you know, I get it but but it was like you know so there was like a Ty cop. Ty Cobb card and a Honus Wagner card, like a throwback card. A throwback card. Like, it's like Sporting Sporting, sporting News, News all time All Star. I totally that know. It. That's a '76 tops. That's a '76 set. set. I brought. I yeah. brought the cards. We're that. We're so that geeky. We we yeah. have them here. Yeah. We, we can, and and so it was just like you know this little stack of history in my hand, but but it was like. You know, it was kind of like looking at the Rosetta Stone or something like yeah. like the numbers on the back. Like I don't know what any of this means, but I knew that my dad knew about baseball, so I took sure. the cards to him, and he, you know, told me how to read a um, a baseball card and what the different uh, statistics meant. Right. And then I got a, you know, he could sense like it was starting to, oh, you know, the wheels were turning in my head. Sure. So he gave me two things. He gave me for my birthday, which was just like a couple weeks later. He gave me a. Um, Bud Harrelson mitt, mitt from Sears. Perfect. You know, crappy ass mitt. Like yeah. it was probably more plastic than leather. But, oh, yeah. but you know, it was my first mitt. And then he gave me a copy of The Boys of Summer by Roger Kahn oh. because he grew up in the shadow of Evans Field. And so, you know, grow. And so when he was 10 and 11, like around then was when that was basically. Actually, he would have been nine when Jackie Robinson came up. Okay. So it was like kind of the, you know, so he got pulled in through Jackie. Right. And so that was, you know, it was kind of the handing of the torch. Like, oh, like man. you are going to, That's you know. That's incredible. And I just devoured it. Like I was, you know, because it kind of gave me a sense of what my father's childhood was like, sure. you know. And like I didn't, you know, I was growing up in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the time. Yeah. So I didn't really understand what Brooklyn, you know, circa 1940s yeah. was about. And then, like, three weeks, two weeks after my birthday, Mark Fidrich makes his first start for the Tigers at Tiger Stadium. You know, cue Fidrich mania. Yeah. And from then on, it was just, like, all in. Like, like the same passion and intensity I put into, like, you know, learning about obscure battles from World War One <laughs> went into, you know, like, all of a sudden, I just, like, you know, like, like, like at this point, like, the 1968 Tigers seemed like you know you know another century away to me but i just started like you know sucking up all that and like within a year my friends were calling me the baseball egghead because like i knew every really yeah i just like yeah i just hoovered it up and uh you know could uh you know completely drop the bobby thompson reference you know or you know or (laughs) willie stargell or roberto clemente or you know and like and all these players that i'd never seen play no no, but but like you know i and so the tigers became my team um and then that summer my mom my parents had long split up by this point my mom was living out in la um you know uh dancing in a performance art troupe as uh divorce moms did in those days and uh and so we went she took me so my dad had taken me to my first tigers game at tiger stadium the real the real tiger stadium i love that which love that stadium i only went to a handful of times because we moved we moved away from michigan at the end of 78 so i only probably went to six tiger games at tiger stadium but it was you know just a tremendously important experience i only saw it on television 
yeah. in my childhood as the Yankees, you know, would play like, you know, in the early eighties, you'd see this stadium and you go, that is so cool. That porch that like, you know, the, right, the overhang, the overhang was right so field. cool. And then, you know, you just, you oh, tear it down. We don't, why would you need that? Right. Right. Why would yeah. you, why, I mean, it just like the experience of being there was so, it was like being in an old battleship or something yeah. it was so you know it was an industrial everything was industrial green like yeah rusted yeah. you know lead paint flaking off the columns that you had to like crane your neck to see around high chance of death high, right of and high, and then like you know, know and i remember lemon sightings right well this is well yeah if, if in 76 if they were playing the white Sox. yeah I mean, no he wasn't on yeah right at this point you know it was like really a rodriguez sightings yeah and uh Around the floor, of course. Oh, yeah. But, like, and, like, I remember my dad just, like, letting my sister and I just, like, run around. And it was just, like, these, through these dank corridors, you know, concrete. Just, like, everything just, you know, smelled like cigars and sausages and, and spilled beer. Lost and, bets. Right, right. Lost <laughs> bets, right. <laughs> Dashed hopes, right. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, it was so powerful. And so uh, I, I went back to... Detroit in 2004 was the first time I'd been back there since, you know, probably, you know, the early 90s. And, and, you know, of course, the team had already moved to Comerica, but Tiger Stadium was still standing there. And I went on a Saturday afternoon, I I drove over there and it was, it was like somebody set off the neutron bomb, like there were no people. I was just waiting for the zombies to come out of, you know, (laughs) what, you know, one of the closed down bars across the street. And and I took a bunch of pictures of the stadium from the outside, and just like walking around was so, it, it was it was like a dream. And I wish you know I I, I probably took like ten photos, and right. I wish I'd taken a hundred. Right, you have them. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll dig them out and email them to you. Oh they're, man, that'd be they're, great. They're pretty. Uh, um, but so anyway, so yeah. 1976, summer 76. I've, so I've seen a major league game at Tiger Stadium. Yeah. Then I come out and spend the summer in L.A. with my mom. And uh, she takes my sister and I, actually, the three of us and this guy my mom was kind of seeing at the time, who was actually, uh, he was a uh, Mayor Baba disciple. So we went, we go to the... Also a Lou Whitaker fan. Right, well, <laughs> he, 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 but he was a bad mama. He could see in the future. Exactly. <laughs> he so, knew it was coming. So he, he was a Dodger fan, so right. he took us to Dodger Stadium in his white VW van, which was covered on the inside with, like, pictures of Baba that right. had been cut out and pasted. And, you know, I have no idea who this is, but it's like he's... This guy is bald and has a mustache, and so is the guy that my mom is seeing. And it's sort of like, like wait, but but this isn't him. And where are all these pictures? And she was kind of explaining this to me. And so then we go see the Dodgers play the Reds in what turned out to be like pretty much the Dodgers' last chance to catch the Reds. Oh, like a real game? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. No, this was like August. 76 and it was like the reds were oh yeah had been you know it's the big red machine they were just steamrolling everybody august sounds about right right that to be decided and and it was like the dot like they they wouldn't clinch the pen until september but at this point it was like the dodgers knew if they were going to get something going like this four game series had to be it and of course they wind up getting swept yeah and i and i witnessed it nice (laughs) well okay so i grew up in philly right so that around that time the thought of the dodgers to me getting swept because this was my first you know 
my first inkling of baseball is that year. Right, and because, that and that's the first year where the Phillies go to the postseason yeah. since, since 1950. Right, whiz kids. So right. you're Robin Roberts and all that stuff. So they, they, you know, they're playing really well, and then they're not playing really right. well because they go, but it's three years in a row of them. Right. You know, so they're always, you know, they're... I, you know, it's it's funny at the same time. Like I'm a football junkie, probably just equally as much. Mm-hmm. They're the Minnesota Vikings of that sort. You know, they're just getting there, losing, getting right. there, losing, getting right. there. So I, I become a Yankees fan because the Yankees are the team that beat the team that beat my team, except right. for the year. You know, they right. obviously they lost in '76, but. But that, was, but that was also for the Yankees. That was their first time back, back since in '64. That's right. So I actually rooted for them that postseason because it was like, okay, well, you know, my dad—I was born in New York. My dad's from New York, so yeah. even though my dad told me that growing up, the only kids in his neighborhood who rooted for the Yankees were bullies, racists, and sore losers. <laughs> the uh, um, you had to root for the Dodgers, right, and the Giants, right. man. Yeah. Right, that was just the only way to go. But at this point, it was like. It meant so much to New York that the Yankees were back in business. Think about what New York was like at that time. Exactly. I mean, it was like a cesspool. It was almost, you know, bankrupt. Right. And and so uh, in my book, my yeah. forthcoming book, yes. Stars and Strikes. Are you promoting something? <laughs> How dare you? This I'm is, just tying this in, yeah, man. Yeah, Stars and Strikes or something? Yeah. yeah. The, okay. the, so there are, there are multiple moments in the book where... Like players from visiting teams, like who are playing in New York, get mugged, get like yeah. their their hotels broken into, and yeah. like their leisure suits stolen. I mean, yeah. this was this was the experience <laughs> of like visiting New York in the in the mid seventies. <laughs> I love this notion of uh, you know leisure suits and and like you know really fuzzy baseball players and they're like polyester, you know, like, come on guys. Yeah, with their gold chains. You know, free stuff. agency is happening. You have a couple of bucks now. Like, you know, get... <laughs> right, right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fill my closet up with leisure seats, man. Yeah, I can get five for a hundred bucks. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's pretty frightening, but I'm sorry. Well, for me, so you just told me, you know, your first, you know, Dodgers game, Tigers game, my first baseball game there's there's a great part of it and a and a really not great part of it. The great the great part of it is I saw Willie McCovey hit a walk off home run. No shit. So I'm like, you know, it's all kind of downhill from there. Like, right. you know, I mean, I've seen a lot of other great games. What, what were the circumstances? Uh, well, there really weren't any circumstances. Well, I mean, like was, who like who was he playing for? What what was? He was the, in the Giants. Okay. You know, so he was. I, I guess he, so was, he was always except for a brief run with the Padres, and then like and and in uh, a month with two months with the A's. Right. So he's back with the Giants. I think this is it. This is sort of like late seventies. Yeah. So seventy, probably seventy seven. A year later. Yeah. At, at Candlestick. No, I'm in Philly at the worst stadium on the planet. Literally the uh, like it's you know three Veterans. rivers, uh you know riverfront, Veterans. veteran stadium. I Jack guess, Murphy. Jack Murphy. Even Bush. At, oh yeah. You know, at the time. That was this, that was like the original concrete donut. Was it the first? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you, I guess you could say Shea, but Shea Shea was supposed Shea to was be one. Horrible for other reasons. Right. <laughs> but the, the Shea was supposed to be the first one that like went all the way around. It just stopped. But that they like ran out of money, so like <laughs> so there are no bleachers. Everything about Shea and reading about what went down to get that stadium, it sounds like hustle and graft, like top to bottom, right? Like, just. And the worst stadium I've ever, probably ever been to for anything. Even if I saw the Beatles there, I'd be like, ah, oh, it sucked. 
you know. My dad still pines for it, by the way. Really? Yeah. What is there to pine about? I think, you know, I think some of it was just a moment in time thing. Yeah. You know. Fair enough. But, but, I, but I also think, like, compared to City Field, the new place, which is so just, like... Yeah, it, see, it, I love that place, but it's yeah, just it, they finally it, got it right for the mess. Well, they they did, but it, but at the same time, like I think he's offended by how much Brooklyn Dodger stuff they try to work right. in with like the Coppola and all this. Sure. It's like like this isn't you know the like the Dodgers and the Mets. These are two separate organizations, right. and like it's like Paris, Germany. Right. <laughs> it's like, Thanks, guys. You love Paris. Here <laughs> it is. It. Here it is in Frankfurt. You know. <laughs> Frankfurt Tower. Yeah, it's horrifying in that respect. But for anyone who grew up in our generation, and I, listen, I moved to New York when I was about 15. So that would get me into New York in 86. So okay. good year. Very good, good year. year to move to, to New York for the Mets. Not a great year for the Yankees. They were in the midst yeah. of a lot of not great years. But I would just go out there and be like, I mean, it's the only place where I ever sat on the third baseline and I had the best view of center field. Like, right. it was just like, you're yeah. just like, hey, wow, look, it's the airport. Like, it right. just made no sense. Right, and you right, and you had the, the planes going overhead. And, you yeah. know, and then, like, I mean, like, my uh, two biggest memories of Shea Stadium, or most vivid memories, one are of seeing Doc Ellis, like, in his, you know, running on fumes season uh. of 79, uh, give up just a bombed at Greg Luzinski that nice. just, you know, just like practically broke a seat. Um, and then, uh, and then the other memories of going to a Mets game in like 80, I think it would be the summer of 81 uh. and just like the line to the men's room and like, this was not a packed house, but nah. even so the line to the men's room was ridiculous, you know, just like not enough facilities. Yeah. So a chant went up, uh, from the guys waiting in line of, Sinks, 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 and so <laughs> oh man! Immediately, yeah, yeah, yeah. So immediately, a bunch of guys start pissing in the sinks, and then the chant goes up: phone booths, phone booths, phone booths. So oh. like people start like going pissing in the in the you know the line of phone booths sure. on the and, uh, and it's oh, like welcome to Shea. Yeah, keep it classy, Shea. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> oh my god. Well, alright, I'm going to segue into that to explain something about my childhood and baseball cards, because you had brought this up, and I figured you would enjoy the next little run here, but my intro on the baseball card, two things about baseball cards for me. One, my first group of cards that I ever got my hands on and what I ever figured out were stolen from my older brother. So that was already great. I pissed my older brother off, which always... Oh, oh you stole them from him. I, he had them, and I, he was too cool for school because he's five years older, and he was right. already getting into Zeppelin and the Who, and I was right. like, wait a minute. Um, these are really cool, and they're jammed in a dresser, and you're not checking them out. Uh, come to Daddy. Right. So I, can, I, always, I can smell them. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know... I'm sitting there and they're like, I think they were all 73 and 74 tops cards. Nice. Killer years, you know. Great players. Great players. Like, you know, I just, I'll never forget that there's like the Steve Garvey card and it's, it's, it's not like up and down. You have, it's like a profile where you have to flip the card right. where it's, it's left to right. It's not, right. The, you know. They, they started that with a 73 card. So, Is that, yeah, oh, that, okay. that's, that's, that's like a lot of people 
it's it, a lot of people hate that set. A lot of people love that set, right. both for the same reason. Right, right. Because the purists get pissed that the yeah. Right, it's flip, but also like like a lot of the cards in that set, like they've got the wrong guys on the cards, or oh. like or like the the photos are really half assed. Oh, and yeah. and uh, that, that that I yeah the, the wrong guys I don't know about, but yes the like like the the seventy three Joe Rudy card has three A's on it, none of whom are Joe Rudy. Really? Yeah. I never check, knew that. Check it out sometime. That, I also know that's the year where the Padres were going to move to Washington. So that was have, 74. Is that 74? Yeah. So it's the 74 set. Right. That's the set that it's, I'm actually thinking of. It says like of. Washington and, and National. And, yeah. yeah. And Randy Jones and then I think McCovey. McCovey, or Winfield, yeah. McCovey, Winfield, and all this. So anyway, I get into these cards and in a whole other separate thing, you know, I'm re- you know, you, he had like, you know, 200 cards, maybe 200 cards. So while your father taught you how to read the back of the cards, I knew what the backs were. Right. What I didn't know was where's Cedar Rapids? Where's you know why you know I picked that year I pick up the Bucky Dent rookie card of that year and I'm like, where's and I think he played like you know Triple A ball in Wisconsin. I was right. like Madison or whatever and I'm like, what are these guys? What? He's on the White Sox. Why does it? Why are there like right. eight years right. of why like is Des Moines? You know, yeah, Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, Ogden. You right. know, like and it, I Burning actually, him. yeah, I, I totally attribute this whole run of totally abstract thinking to reading these cards and being like, what did these guys do? To, did they work at a dry cleaners? <laughs> like, did were they, oh, probably, they, probably, yeah. Like, yeah they, they're, they're, they're the assistant at right. a dry cleaners in Cedar Rapids because they're making like you know ninety bucks a month, right? But anyway, long, longer story shorter, my grandmother gets wind that I that I'm sort of excited about cards. Now here's the ultimate. I think this is why I never got into drugs, and I'll explain this. My grandmother, when my grandfather passed away, started working at a, uh, I guess we called him a drugstore growing up, but she she started working at a pharmacy that had a, you know, actually had a lunch counter. Right. And like you know, she ran the candy counter and the magazine counter. So you can see where I'm going with this. If you run the candy counter, tops, bubble gum, oh, yeah. the tops red. Right, and and the, the, the whole box. Oh, more than the whole <laughs> box. So my father, you know, and his, you know, and he, you know, he's only excited about the magazines and getting, you know, naughty magazines and right. stupid music magazines. And I'm she's like, you know, this archetypal like Jewish grandmother. Who's like in her, you know, I thought she was ancient at the time. She was right. probably like 55, right, right. you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> you know, Sylvia Dornblum. And she's like, honey, you like these baseballs? She really spoke, Adam. <laughs> she brought me a box, almost a box of cards every time she came over. Oh, my Lord. You have any idea? Like, when, <laughs> so you're into something, but then it becomes like, when is, when, when's grandmother coming over? Right. When is she coming over again? Because there's the, you know, I, I didn't get the Lou Brock card yet. Right. And I need, when, so it, it, it was this weird, I mean, I, honestly, I can attribute never doing drugs, never getting addicted. I was so addicted and so spun on this whole thing that I actually checked myself at like 10 and I'm like <laughs> step away from the cards man because it goes from some, football, people, some people never do that well you know? yeah and, and then you know and it's funny like I really think I I noticed the vibe around my friends when we would trade and it just that energy was horrifying yeah. Yeah. I was like I have five Franco Harris rookie cards you know I mean it's football but you know right. I mean, Football went into baseball, went into basketball, yeah. went into, you know, it was non-stop. I, I, I had a, uh, like, 
I, I remember finding out or reading someplace that like garage sales and yard sales were good places to find cards. Oh, boy. So, but for whatever reason, like I never had any luck with that, but would always find like football and hockey cards. Oh, well. So I got into like buying those, but it, but it was so half-hearted, but it was yeah. the same sort of thing where like, like it, it was just like something to tide me over till my next trip to the drugstore. <laughs> do you, well, actually you may not remember because See, my uh, next trip to the drugstore was what? picking up my fix. Right, right. You know, well, but but so like, my dealer. Right. That was, <laughs> well, that was like picking up a kilo from your dealer. That's, that's not. Just for the weekend. Right, right. That, that's not, uh, I mean, cause I don't know if you, if you had the same experience and I'm guessing you didn't because of your connection. Yeah. <laughs> But, oh, well, wait. but but Come like on. like there was that period that that like period from like I would say early February to like <laughs> mid late March where where you know like I was living in Michigan so you know so it's you're so it's freezing and you're waiting for the spring thaw and then like the spring thaw kind of comes and you run out there with a baseball and just like start throwing around and like the ball oh. gets like wet and cold and. And, yeah. But you're just so desperate to, like, get some baseball in your life again. And then with that desperation comes the, like, when are the new Topps cards coming oh, yeah. and like And, like, you know, your friend of yours says, you know, he thinks that, like, Sergeant Pepper's, the, the like, little corner drugstore down by campus, like, he thinks he saw some there. Oh. So you, like, trek on your bike all the way down there. They don't have them. They don't have them oh, yet. Heartbreak. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're the food and drug in Ann Arbor. Like, that's that's where you usually go. And you just, like, go there every week until, yeah. like, finally it's there. You know, that... Because you have... There's no way of checking... Right. There's no. There's, there's no, no internet. Nothing. There's nothing. There's and, not even a magazine that says tops. Well, well, there's there's a magazine, but it, you know, it's like maybe like a you know like a baseball like you know upcoming season magazine, and there'll be right. an ad for the new tops. But like tops at this point like doesn't, you know, you know, sort of like you can write a you know you can send in a check or a money order for. You know, twelve ninety five, and get the whole. But I didn't, who, who had twelve ninety five? Yeah, no one uh, living. Right. You had to do wrong stuff to get right you know, or well, four hundred longs. Right. There, there, was, there was no way that I would. So, but it didn't say when like the packs would be in stores. So you were just kind of. You know, I so ch- the interesting thing is for for that never happened for me for baseball. For some reason, baseball, I never really would sweat it. It just I I would be like, it's coming soon. Right. I was eat probably more into football because it, that I don't know. Growing up in Pennsylvania in that time, you're the Steelers, right. the Eagles. Towards the end of the '70s, starting to turn into something. You know, you had like you know. Well, just, just the Steelers alone. I mean, that's well, just the Steelers alone, and then you have you know, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, Vermeil, Dick Vermeil comes and coaches the Eagles, and all of a sudden by '80 we're in the Super Bowl. Like, right. So it was like. A little more of a at that time, a little more of a football guy. Were you were you a college football guy too? Because not they, even a little. Oh, okay. To Cause, me, college because because like I think you know, uh, University of Pittsburgh, Tony Dorsett. No, you know, no, and not, he's a cowboy, so uh, well, like right, you right, know, yeah. to walk away, but, like, right, I'll, fuck I'll him. shoot you, fucking. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. You know, college football for me. Total side note, but there are no side notes. Um, I hated college football from the get go because. There was always a big band playing and never playing something I wanted to hear. There were always like fifty trombone players I didn't need doing something d- during d- the game. What you didn't want to hear like their version of Vehicle by Ides of March? I mean that was like 
Like, at least the University of Michigan marching band, like, every fucking game. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, growing up in Ann Arbor, like, college football was everything. Oh, well, no, and then we had the Detroit Lions up the road who sucked. So, like, I never got into yeah. NFL as a result. Well, that's right. Yeah, the Lions, man, they were just, they were atrocious for, like, 40 years. Four, yeah, yeah, like, I get it. I get it. Right. So, like, you know, for me, like, the, the thing would happen with me that happened with you, like, Football, football is like it's summer turning into autumn, and I would be just I, I'm a happy guy. But as soon as my old man did this every summer, man, God bless him, he would say it would be like the middle of July, and he we'd be out, you know, he'd be outside in a bathrobe, probably smoking a joint, and he'd go, "You smell that, kids? You smell that? It smells like school." And we still had like seven weeks. We had so much time before. But you're like at the halfway point. Yeah, we're like we was probably okay. So we had four weeks. You're five weeks. We're like halfway there, and it would just be like, oh, dad, really? And then he would, you know, break our balls when it'd be like, you know, time to get like school supplies. So school supplies. Dig this. This is actually kind of interesting. Our little town, the little town next to the town we grew up in, is called Narberth, Pennsylvania. It's this little suburb. It looks like Mayberry. They saw a little firehouse connected to the police department. You know, um, it just so happens that above the pharmacy there, Burt Bell, who was the commissioner of the NFL before Pete Rozelle, right? That's where his office was, in this little town. Wow. So you'd be down there, and it, there's a plaque, and it says, you know, the NFL and the first commissioner, or not the first commissioner, but the one that you know he right. brought it to, like you know, you know, everyone talks about Rozelle. Well, anyway, this little pharmacy. Five and Dime. Five and Dime. Look that up. It's something that used to exist. Um, I would go there, and in the midst of the absolute depression of picking out school supplies, which to me was basically oh, like, was... what's your last meal? Right, right. It's such, such a bummer. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, you know, my mom would be like, do you like this pencil case? And I was like, is it a Kafka pencil case? You know, right, it's like, right. do, you, do they have the Franz Kafka school supplies? This, it's right. over. Right. Is, is, is there a sharp edge that I can slit my wrist with? Yeah. And maybe yours right. for making me do this. Right. So, you know, I would, uh, you'd be in there and it was cre- creaky wood floors and it smelled like an old, you know, like it was a, also like a hardware store. It was everything. So it just, it smelled like 1938 in right. that place, or at least what I think it smelled like. But I knew that when I was picking out school supplies, I knew the football cards would be getting released. And I would always sort of angle my mom. She'd be like, why are you, this is like the girl stuff. And I'm like, look, look, I think I see a Terry Bradshaw. You know, they had those three packs, like in baseball, those cello packs. And I would always just like, whatever. Even my mother would be like, you know, your grandmother's just going to get you some. And I was like, you need to buy me some now. Because if I don't get some of these now, I'm not making it to tomorrow. And I'm not going to school, you know. So yeah, I mean, even though I was getting my free cards, man, I would haul ass on my bike down there and like I, you know it's funny I was looking through because I brought some cards to look at today and I realized I was looking through and I found they have this whole premium now on unopened packs that's like right. a really huge deal and I found I in my uber dorkdom like in my non Miles Davis you know Lord Buckley portion right. of my brain that will refuse to turn off I had these like forever sealed in an impossible to open plastic these three packs and they're 20 cents i mean it's like 
I remember growing up and being like, oh, my parents used to go to the movies for a nickel and right. like, oh, we'd see a short in the news <laughs> and then a cartoon and we'd see all four Lord of the Rings, you know, like. Right. But you could buy, you could buy, now cards are like, you need to go to the money store, you know, like Phil <laughs> Rizzuto at the money store, you know, you take out a loan, you know, but they were 20 cents, you got like 60 cards. And I was just like, oh my God, even I had two bucks. Right. Yeah, that's a lot of cards, yeah. you know. No, no, yeah, I mean, like, I, I would, I would, I think I would usually buy five, three to five packs at a time. That's, that's a good that's, that's where, you know, you know, and, and a bottle of uh fago rock and rye and <laughs> i don't even know what that is fa- What's that fago flavor? is uh, fago is like this michigan soft drink well, i know fago right. the brand but right. what's rock, rock and rye was like their cream soda but uh, it tasted it tasted kind of like the bubble gum you get in baseball card packs oh, right so it was just like like extra <laughs> hit off it it's like the gum hits the fluid right <laughs> and, and you get just that hint of bike chain and sucrose or whatever it's horrifying yeah. right and glove oil you know <laughs> and uh so i get that and then you know like like a york peppermint patty or something oh. some, something chocolate but uh right. but a, a palate cleanser right. between packs <laughs> but then right but that was that was my friday that's that's what friday tasted like in the Ann Arbor Spring. That's insane, <laughs> man. Well, I always remember, you know, like, I remember looking through the cards, and even at the age, like, I think I really, st- I, I sneaked still buying cards into the point where I was, like, basically a professional musician. Like, I was still, like, you know, like, ah, it's 86, and I'm 15 or 16, and I'm working in the club, but right. I gotta get some cards. <laughs> and I remember that I just, you reach this point where you feel a little creepy, because right. you're like, this dude's 20. Like, right. this is like a Dominican kid that I could actually probably meet in a club one night, because, you know, I really like the gig. Right. You know? But and he's I'm, selling <laughs> you cards. And I'm still buying these cards. I'm like, all right, I gotta stop, man. Like, you reach that thing. I think I stopped, you know... I stopped for 23 years, and then I was when I first walked in, I was saying, like, I, I was showing you these cards, right. and my old man passed. I, I went nuts for him again, and I realized that, like, it's like eight guys run the whole card thing. So when you go, like, in, in L.A., like, if you go on Robertson, do you know that card store? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, that guy? That guy will like, he'll just be like, oh, you're interested? Okay, well, that's $900. Right. <laughs> I'm like, it's just a picture of a dude, really? Right. It's yeah. like, God bless the internet, you know? Yeah. Because uh, oh. you can, you, you know, it, it, uh, like, yeah, I remember, I remember my, my aunt took me to a card shop that used to be on, I think it was on 3rd Street, like, mm. like in like the Mid Wilshire area, like one of my summers in LA. And it was like, I couldn't afford to get like any cards that were, actually valuable right but this guy like let me go through basically his his craft box but it was like really beat up jackie robinson's and satchel pages and sandy koufax's and warren spawn's it's like yeah. hey i'm good with that yeah. like like i got a warren spawn card now you know Hell yeah and and uh um you know which would still be worth nothing today because yeah. they look like they'd been through somebody's spokes already <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah you know it's funny like i i really I this year was the first year I bought an actual pack. Oh yeah. Since 1980. Okay. And so, and it was just just kind of like, I don't know, just kind of curiosity, kind of like 
I see stuff that my friends post on like Facebook and sure. stuff of like things they've got. I was like, you know, and Tops is trying to do some interesting stuff with like some throwback designs. Right. And, I, I kind of get know, those heritage ones. Right. The heritage. Like, you know. And so, you know, so, and uh, so uh, when my fiance and I have gone to, uh, target a couple of times like we've picked right. up like they have like several different you know and they're and but it's still like i don't you know i don't entirely get it it's like there's the heritage there's the series one there's the series two i mean there's like there's the the spring training there's the it's i it's I, it's, it's, it's overkill yeah and and you know it's funny you know it's one of those things that as you watch like any sort of you know economic indicators they'll go from being like You'll, you'll see the same where somebody will be like, I got a piece of someone's jersey. Oh, and God, it's I hate that I, shit. I, I hate it like you can't imagine. But then, like, the market crashes, and it's like it's worth exactly what it should right, be. Right, right, right. Nothing. Right. It's a piece right. of laundry. Right. That this schmuck maybe didn't even wear. Right. And I just, I don't understand that at all. So, I mean, right. I, I geeked out on I just replaced my cards from when I was a kid. Yeah, you can do that. The cat is walking around the bar. Oscar, get off. Oscar the cat. Oscar the cat. Named He's it. really cute. Named after... Uh, Oscar Gamble. Gamble and Madison. My two, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> my two heroes. I'm going to get some more water. Right. right. Cool. Actually, should I grab the cards and bring them over? Yeah, sure, if you want. I, you know, the beauty about looking at a box of cards like that is, like, literally, you can just go to any one of them, and I guarantee you, I can remember when I got the card originally... Or, you know, my first thoughts of it are like, you know, it's, oh, it's, like, it's like records, it's, yeah. or, you know, especially like 45s for me. I've got like, like, like basically that, that obsessiveness, that obsessiveness, obsessiveness towards baseball, uh, uh, later veered hard towards music. So yeah. it's like, you know, that's, um, but, uh, but the 76 set that you got here, I mean, obviously it was, these were my first cards, but I still think that they're so superior in their design and there's like great card. photos yeah oh jose cardinal today so that's the second that. card i pull is it's his birthday today that's right jose cardinal who had really i mean next to oscar gamble he had perhaps the best fro of any <laughs> of any ball player in the 70s and uh um he's an interesting cat i actually met him a couple of years ago at cubs fantasy camp Oh, and, oh uh, did you did you get the costume and played? Oh, I got the costume and played. Uh, oh. it, it was actually it was a I I could never have afforded it myself, but it was like a gift. It was like a bonus from the company I was working for because oh. the president would go to this camp every year and he knew I was a baseball fan. That's so cool. And uh, so yeah, so I, I put on a Cubs uniform, ran around, but Jose was one of the um, coaches there, and he has no hair now. He's no. he's totally yeah. bald. But he's hilarious. I mean, it's uh, you know people of a certain age. When if you mention Chico Escuela, yeah. like like Jose kind of talks like Chico Escuela. And uh, I remember I was I was uh, in the clubhouse after after a day of playing, and I was shaving, and it was about halfway through the week. You know, and it's brutal. Like you're out there playing every day, and you know you're in your mid forties and not in great shape, and you're <laughs> just and and yeah. so. Jose, Jose's at the next sink. And he goes, uh, so what you doing, man? And they're like, oh, okay, Jose, you know, just hanging in there. I, I, it's like, yeah. I was like, you know, it's it's like kind of like running a marathon, I guess. And he goes, do you run marathons, man? <laughs> I was like, Jose, do I look like I run marathons? <laughs> I know. 
for those uh, listening along, uh, he does not look like he runs marathons. <laughs> However, so, I do not look like Mickey Lowich, which uh, this no. card is. Hey, uh, hey, hey. I mean, it's I, a and, and God it, bless it, Mickey Lowich. Um, yeah. In fact, Mickey Lowich had a great quote about, you know, I think a reporter asked him about, you know, about being overweight and, you know, having this gigantic beer gut that he pitched with. And he said something to the effect of, um, you know, I'm I'm good for the game because you know your average guy at home, he he's you know he's watching TV and he's like, hey, there's a guy out there on the mountain who's fatter than I am. You know, <laughs> give me another beer, honey. Yeah. So, uh, he was such an incredible. pitcher. Yeah, Mickey Lolich, great pitcher for the Tigers. Um, uh, most of his career, then went to the Mets uh, for the '76 season in the Rusty Staub. Deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Staub ended up like be, being an all-star, an all-star. For, yeah. for the Tigers that year. And Lolish, Lolish actually, people don't remember this. He actually pitched pretty well for the the Mets, but uh, got no run support and uh, was <laughs> and was shelled uh, actually by some thugs in the uh, Shea parking lot back to Shea. Really? Yeah, he and his wife were that. leaving after a game one time, and a bunch of kids just like were like throwing rocks at his car. <laughs> There you go. New York. New York in the 70s. It's a toilet. I moved to a toilet. Um, You were talking about fantasy camp. Yeah. I actually have a friend, a writer friend. uh, uh, Actually, a famous jazz liner note writer, a guy named Ira Gittler. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's friends with a hockey fanatic. So it's one thing to go to, maybe you're in your mid-40s and you're out of shape and you go to baseball fantasy camp, at yeah. least there's like some beer or something. Like right, water. And, and you're standing around a lot of the time. Fantasy hockey... Oh, good lord. Is, ...is so brutal. And these guys played, and they played like in little rec, you know, recreational leagues and whatever. So they went to like... Well, it would have to have been like... Uh, it was Gordie Howe that took... Part in this league, I'm I'm not sure if it was, it was probably a Red Wings, you know, like right. fantasy camp. Someone was talking shit with Gordy Howe, who at this point is in his nineties. Yeah, he's <laughs> literally telling stories about getting drunk with Ty Cobb. Right, like he's that old, you know. And I guess as the story went, the guy talked so much shit, and he was like, "Come on, bring it." He said he said that Gordy Howe checked this guy. So legitimately and so hard. He said he just knocked he knocked him out. He wow. was like, You wanna play? Right. And you wanna talk shit for three days? This is what it's gonna feel like if, to get Gordy Howe. Like and I was I was always thinking to myself, what the hell are you thinking about? Like provoking a guy that played into his fifties like professionally yeah. schmuck. Yeah. Not a smart move. Uh, but here's okay, here's something I this is what I was talking about earlier though, to, to segue back into baseball. I'm holding a card, card number 472, the 1976 set, Bob Davis. Wow. Okay. No, no nothing. No, Not no, even. I, yeah, brings no bells. Tri-Cities. Ah, yes. In 71, he summered in Lodi. Okay, I didn't even know, like, back to Tri-Cities, where he hit 328. That's not bad. Alexandria, and then from Alexandria... Sent to Hawaii. Oh yeah, the the uh, Hawaii Island. Islanders. Yeah, yeah. They, okay, they, so you know. Well, they, well, the the Islanders actually were, um, yeah, they were they're a Pacific Coast League team, and oh. I, I had a friend who grew up in Hawaii and said that, like, it you would get the you know the guys who are in the minor league system who are kind of up and coming. And I think they're a Padres team, but also um, they may have been associated with somebody else for a while. 
But so you get like the up and coming guys, but you would also get like the guys who, you know, were had been bona fide major leaguers for years, right. still wanted to play. Right. And like, hey, I'm gonna go play in Hawaii for a couple of years. Why not? Because it's I don't Hawaii. Go to Japan. Right. Don't you know? want to go to Japan. So like I think uh, I think Cleet Boyer played with them for a nice. while and you know, you'd, so you'd see guys like, you know, uh, like former big leaguers, which was a pretty you know glamorous thing. Is this like the same PCL, like the San Francisco Seals? Yeah, and but, isn't it, it's essentially, essentially. I mean, because originally the uh, uh, PCL was not Pacific Coast League was not affiliated with any uh, like none of those teams were affiliated with. No, they were just their the, own. Their, teams, it was their own. It was league. it was the third major league, quote yeah. unquote. Back when there were no West Coast MLB teams, teams on well, the West Coast. at that point, St. Louis was the furthest west. Right. So then you had, like, you know, Portland and San Francisco right. and, like, L.A. What were the L.A. Stars or something? It was the L.A. Angels and the Hollywood Stars. Hollywood Stars, right. That's and uh, the Hollywood Stars who wore shorts uh, one year. which which Yeah, pre-Vec. And, yeah, and there was a San Diego Padres PCL Ooh. team. And uh, and then when uh, obviously when Major League Baseball moved out to the West Coast, that, that started to die off. And then it sort of got subs, you know, those teams got subsumed into the, um, you know, organizations of specific. So it's almost like in a way like the AFL and the NFL, like there were just teams that just were like, hey, we got we got to bring you in. Your right. territories were not in. Right. I mean, you know, I think of San Francisco and it's like. You know, Lefty Gomez, Joe DiMaggio, right. like you know, the, all these players. San Francisco are just, Seals, yeah, yeah, the West Coast teams, and say hey, we're going to buy their contract, and you know, well, Bob we? Davis, <laughs> Bob Davis, who you know, and I said this on the you know on the Big Hair and Plastic Grass Facebook page, he looks like he's forty three in this shot. So and many he, of those. What, how how old is he there? He's twenty three. Yeah, he's yeah. already had like. You know, a couple of summer summers in Tri Cities will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, one summer in Tri Cities, it's like a Tom Waits song, you know. Wow. But uh, you know, you know, he batted one sixty seven in Lodi. I think Lodi was rough for anybody. To yeah, play ball just stuck in Lodi again. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you just I would just look at these cards and learn everything about where I would I would actually you know think to myself like, wow, this guy's really trying. To get on this card and stick. Right. And just, you know, I didn't know, like, oh, they wanted to get their pension or they wanted... I was just like, wow, the dedication, you know? It's like, it's kind of like being in an indie rock band, you know, in the last 25 years, you know, in a van that smells like farts, you right. know? It's just like, people glamorize this thing of, like, you're in a band or you're, like... A, you know, play minor league ball at the A level for five years, yeah. and like. Well, and, and and I mean, even now, play it's it's not glamorous. I mean, but but they're it's more it's way more glamorous than it was in the seventies. You know, it has it's, to be. It's, it's, it has to be. You know, it's 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 and cultural. I mean, and, you're, right. Yeah, it's, you got Dominicans and Venezuelans. You know, it's right. like you know. Yeah, there's you know, and there there are actually great books that sort of you know. I don't. Have you read Bullpen Diaries or Odd Man Out? I've or, uh, read read Bullpen Diaries. Yeah. You know, so you just like you know, just insane existence in the minors. Right. You know, this, this is so great. This box of seventy six cards you got here because it's just like, really, you just reach in and pull stuff at random and uh, yeah, and I all mean, kinds of treasures. Boom. Bob Robertson. Bob Robertson. Bob uh, Robertson. I was fascinated by that name. It's like, 
who named named Robertson would name their kid Robert? You know, it's like, it's like, and I remember just going over this in my mind. It was like Robert Robertson, Bob Robertson, Bob Bobertson, Rod, you know, it's like. It's like a word game. Yeah. All right, the second one I pull out, Jenkins, oh, man. Yeah. It's like, we're, you know. I, you know, uh, he, Fergie was also at the Cubs fantasy camp that I went to, and so I, I can uh, I can say that I've had a bona fide Hall of Famer give me shit about the length of my hair. So I I, uh, I was really hungover sitting in the clubhouse the first day, and I feel somebody flicking my hair, and I look up, and it's Fergie fucking Jenkins, oh. and, and he goes, "You do have a barber, don't you?" Oh. So, uh, that, well, if anybody's going to give you shit about your hair, you know, Fergie Jenkins, it could be. <laughs> well, he, he's also bald now. So I think uh, that there may, you know, there may have, uh, um, uh, there may have been a touch of jealousy. Yeah. Let's say, but, uh, but, um, oh, and I did quote unquote, take batting practice from, from him, uh, which basically <laughs> consisted of him dropping a ball on a pitching machine that, yeah. but, uh, you know, He's not gonna but I, I I did get a hit off uh, off Lee Smith though I I can okay. take that no, to my grave. Didn't. No, you did not. Yes, I did. Well, you did. Yes, but you didn't. <laughs> <There's>, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I didn't, get a, I didn't get a hit off Lee Smith in his prime. <laughs> oh, no, but if you I saw know. Lee Smith now, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> Lee Smith looks like he could still come in and and uh, do at least an inning of uh, mid relief oh. work. He is. Like, just a beast. Yeah, a beast, and he still can wing it. And, That's amazing. And there's all kinds of crazy movements so on the ball. So what was the circumstance? Was it like a game? Yeah, the, the final it? game of, of the camp, it's basically uh, coaches versus campers. So each team of campers gets one inning to, to basically score as many runs as they can right. off the, the coaches. So uh, I actually uh, was the last guy up uh, for my team, and uh, and got a hit uh i you know like i was so freaked out the first two the first two pitches like i you know i yeah. swung nowhere near really? uh the, wow. the ball because it was just like ah you know lee smith and then somehow made contact with the the third one and it uh, went up the middle so nice I, uh, who did it go by uh, God, who was playing? I think it was like Carmen Fanzone, nice. and uh, <laughs> and I forget who was playing short, but Carmen uh, Fanzone, that's a good time. So man. yeah, so so very. Did you good. guys? Did you score any runs on it? I mean, did you, no, did you drive I, any in? Or no, I didn't. There was no, there was nobody on base, and and uh, I, I just kept running because it was like like you know why not? And uh, they <laughs> finally because <laughs> there was there was going to be nobody coming up behind me, and so it was just yeah. like I and, why, why, why so they they. They, uh, there was, you know, uh, once they realized I kept running, there was there was some concern. So, uh, uh, but the, the, it's not just the hair. That's right, 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 right. Yeah. They, they tagged me out as I was rounding third. So it, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Get Epstein. <laughs> right. Epstein. Don't let him score. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's spectacular. Yeah. So that was pretty pretty amazing. So that that's obviously that's you said it was a Cubs. Yeah, that was a Cubs thing. And the C- Cubs you feel a little dirty in a Cubs. No, thing, no, right? not at all. Because the Tigers Cubs. Fan? Because the uh, I was a Tigers fan and. A Dodgers fan first, but then uh, in nineteen late seventy nine, I moved from L.A. to um, to Chicago, and was indoctrinated into the Cubs cult at that point. I was a- I was actually more excited 
about moving to Chicago because of Bill Veck. He was still the owner of the White Sox at the time. And I was moving to Chicago, uh, like, essentially six months after Disco Demolition. So that was uh, all anybody uh, in my age group was talking about. Sure. Was Bill Vex, Steve Dahl, Disco Demolition, and, of course, John Wayne Gacy, who was on trial at that time. So, like, yeah. my memories of this period are just, like, basically, like, Disco Demolition and Gacy. Those were... It's the, the next book. Man. Right. <laughs> Actually, you're... Uh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a step ahead of you, but yes. Yes, that is the next book, so... I've, well, you know, I just, it's funny, I just finished the Vec book, uh, which is just called Bill Vec. I oh, yeah. Know. Oh. Uh, and it, it's good. I, it, I, not not his own autobiography. No, he had like five. He yeah. had like all, like every 10 years he would right, do another would do one. It, right, no, the, I'm spacing on the guy's name, but yes, yeah, it just, it came out last year. Yeah, it was really, I thought it was a really good book. The only beef at all that I had with it was that it devotes all of four pages to the 1977 Southside Hitman. Which yeah. was a huge deal at the time. I mean, right. that that team was like, you know, no one expected them to do well, and right. you know, they had Oscar Gamble and Richie Zisk, and and then yeah, a bunch yeah. of castoffs, well, and they actually like, you know, almost took the division from the Royals. Now that's the team that he built because he didn't really have a lot of bread, and he got all the guys that had one more year of um, right before uh, free agency. Before really, free agency. What, what was what's that called? They had like the, the renta players. They called it basically. Well, and that's the year that Reggie was on the Orioles. Right, right. right? It was, so you're just like whoa. Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. It was like the option year. Right. So he has Zisk and Gamble, and like it, I think the ne- was the next year he had uh, Bobby Bonds right. like for that weird, and they right. fell apart. Yeah, and, and Bonds lasted for about a month on the team. Right, like, traded to the Rangers. For Claudel Washington. Oh, yeah, of course, Claudel. Oh, yeah. So. Time in Atlanta, New York, I love Claudel, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's my cat's middle name, actually. Oscar Claudel? Uh, Oscar Claudel Epstein. Oh, of course, because yeah. he has to be Jewish. Right. Again, that's perfect. Oscar Claudel Epstein. He doesn't have to worry about running into another Oscar Claudel Epstein. Nope. Um, There'll be wow. no embarrassment. Well, no, So, but that, that season is interesting. They don't spend a ton. I get it. You know, they didn't spend a ton of time on the book, but in right. all fairness, you know, there's, you know, 50 years of baseball it's, history. It's, it's, it's true, and Satchel Page and all that, but yeah. I just think, like, like for, you know, I, I feel like it warrants more Yeah. More it was an, discussion. It was, did they... They didn't win the division, but they came. Well, they but they, they were in first for a big chunk of the summer. Yeah. And uh, and there was this weird period where the Cubs and White Sox were both in first. Right. And I so people that. are like, you know, Crosstown, World Series. Yeah. And that didn't, you know, Bruce Souter got hurt and then yeah. the Cubs tanked. and um, But yeah, so when, when I moved to Chicago, um, you know, I... I uh, Started going to Cubs games a lot because uh, Wrigley Field was about a mile north of my high school. Mm. So, right. you, and, and at the time, it was all day games. And at the time, if you showed up like after the fifth or sixth inning, You're in there. yeah, they'll just yeah. let you come in. So I, I spent a lot of time at Wrigley. And uh, so, so I, I definitely feel like the Tigers and Cubs are my two teams. So, right. so being at Cubs Fantasy Camp made no. a lot of sense. Oh, well, that's and no longer Dodgers, not feeling that. No, no, no. I mean, you know, even though I live like a mile away from Dodgers, I, I mean, I like the Dodgers and, you know, and I, I have a lot of respect for their history and stuff. And I'm, you know, but it's, it's, uh, um, you know, all those years of watching, like, you know, Frank McCourt and and Fox and, you know, just like, like they went through so many bad periods of 
of ownership and management like over the last 20 years and the last 20 years that i lived in la like it's been hard to feel any I'm affection i'm still pissed for them. they didn't move from brooklyn yeah well i've never i'm still pissed about 77 and right. 78 yeah. i've hated them you know it was funny through baseball cards and knowing that he had been a St. Louis Cardinal. I liked Reggie Smith, and that was it. Yeah. I hated Garvey. Yeah. Ron Say creeped me out. See, Ron Say was my favorite player. Well, he also ended up a Cub, and you know, right. I get it. You know, but but I mean, before he was a Cub, I and mean, when he was a Dodger, it was really like 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 that guy. You know, that guy looks so weird. He you know he's called the Penguin, and you yeah. know clearly doesn't have the physical gifts, but right. somehow is making it work. I, I wore. Number ten in Little League in tribute oh, really? to Ron Say. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I hated him. Well, I'm sorry. Okay. That was you your know, guy. That, Maybe that, I have a guy that I like that you hate, but you quite know. possibly. If Whoa! It, I just remember hating. I Lasorda's the Philly guy. Like yeah. I, I, I hated Lasorda. I'm hateful. I mean, was, the, the bottom line is, you know, I can hate and I hate hard, and don't bring up the Dallas Cowboys, right. and we'll be good. But yeah, it's uh, you know that that definitely. An interesting era, you know, to move to Chicago and and become, you know, a, a Cubs and obviously not a White Sox fan. You couldn't no, trade become uh, that much. Well, of a no, but 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 the the you know it's it's an interesting dynamic, and I, I talk about this a lot with with friends who aren't from Chicago and don't quite get it. But it's like people on the North Side were Cubs are Cubs fans. People mm. on the South Side are White Sox fans, yeah. but. Cubs fans, if the White Sox are doing well, as long as it's not against the Cubs, like in an interleague game, they will support the White Sox. Like when the White Sox went to the World Series in 2005, everybody was like, yeah, you know, like they won one for Chicago. That's yeah. great. You know, when the Cubs, when and if the Cubs ever go to a World Series, the people <laughs> on the White Sox will, and the White Sox contingent will root for whatever team is playing against the it's Cubs. Really, it's, they just want to, yeah, it's pure hatred. The, the, I was taking a, a good friend of mine to a, what at the, it's gone now, but my, my favorite Italian restaurant in Chicago was on the south side, just like uh, in back of Chinatown. And I was, he was from Boston and, you know, didn't really get it and and i explained this to him as i explained it to you and then we get out of the car and right by where we parked on the sidewalk some kid had scrawled in in you know multicolored chalk cubs suck and it wasn't white Sox rule it was cubs suck it was just like (laughs) like just this you know pure i mean you think you hate hard yeah you don't hate anything like a White Sox fan hates anything cup related. Wow. Why? Does it really go back to like the 1880s? Or you, the, know, you know, I, I it's tough to say because, you know, it, it, people like to draw it as a like, well, you know, well, Southside is working class and Northside, you know, is yuppies. But like that didn't really start happening till the mid 80s. Yeah. Like, like I was going to Cubs games in the early 80s and it was dicey in Wrigleyville. Yeah. Like you, to there were gangs there. Like yeah. you, you had to be careful. And... Uh, hanging around there and the yuppies didn't really start you know it was kind of like the yuppies started moving into wrigleyville around the time around 1984 when the cubs uh actually like made it to the playoffs that that year it's great teams I mean, yeah they had, great yeah, yeah. They had a nice you know they stole great, all great. my phillies yeah right <laughs> right. right dallas green just oh like a cherry picked Bob Dernier, right and, you know, ryan sandberg just, obviously oh and Moreland. Boa. 
yeah. Keith Moreland. Yeah. The Sarge, you know, Ma- you know, Matthew, Gary Matthews came yeah. up. Just like, oh, I heard it. I mean, I was kind of happy. I liked those guys, right. but it was just like, really? Yeah. It's just Phillies West. It, just an aside, uh, I I got to know Dernier and Moreland pretty well at Cubs camp. Two really? of the coolest guys really? that will ever ever meet uh moreland it turns out is a huge soul and funk fan oh nice and and was telling me about like going to see james brown and in like where is he from like moreland i think is from dallas or houston but like seeing seeing james brown in texas in like 74 and being like one of three white guys there and stuff and man really yeah oh that's so cool so it really uh i always you know it's funny even though i'm from philly i always the one thing i did think was like it's so cool that these guys you can get traded anywhere, right. but to get traded from Philly to Chicago, that is just, it's all like, you just stepped right. you just up, stepped man. Up. You oh, just yeah. like, you know, I, I kind of hate on Philly a lot. Uh, well, I, you know, certainly the way like the fans, like the way Philly fans treat the Philly players versus the way Cubs fans treat Cubs players. Philly fans treat each other. Well, yeah. You have no idea. I, so I went to a, a, a wild card uh, Eagles-Giants game about, I guess it was probably about 07. You know, or 06 or 07. I think it was 07. I'd never seen so many fans of the same team beat each other up. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even like the middle of the first quarter right. of a game that was about to be won. They didn't know, like on a you know on a walk off a field goal, walk off you know walk off <laughs> field goal. Uh, excuse me, stupid. No, but it was going to be won in the last. He walked. Acres kicks a field goal and the Eagles win and then they lose the next week. Right. Which is pretty much the you know the history of that team. But yeah, and I just remember. I mean, I know, I've been to plenty of games all over the country. I've never seen fans from the same team kick the shit out of each other. If they, maybe for other reasons. Right. I've seen plenty of fights in stadiums. Yeah. This was like guys really both rocking the McNabb jersey. <laughs> right. It was loser central. Like, they were drunk, and a fight would make the night complete, as right. Rose Allison once said. Like, it was dumbville. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I didn't, I just, you know. Chicago, way cooler. I mean, yeah. the first time I went to Chicago was 1981. My father had produced a Neville Brothers record called Fire on the Bio, yep. and they opened for the Stones, and the first concert I ever saw in my life as like a concert. at the Rosemont Horizon? Rosemont Horizon, and we stayed at the dump across the parking yep. lot because my dad was like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna, we drove there. We drove from Philly to Chicago to see the opening act. I ended up backstage like playing like first-generation video games with Charlie Watts and, like, you know, Bill Wyman, not knowing who they were. Right. I didn't give a shit. I wanted to see the Nevels. I didn't right. know who the white guys were. I was like, yeah, the Nevels, man. <laughs> so we're, we're... Meanwhile, all my friends who went to the show was like, yeah, there was the, like, Neville brothers. Uh, <laughs> they hate yeah. They're like, booped, booped, <laughs> right, right. You know, just grooving out. And they're, well, you know what? Keith Moreland would have dug that shit. Oh, yeah. That's he the pro- good news. He probably was there. You know? He may have <laughs> did, yeah. Cause Although he, he, was... Probably, he probably wintered in Texas. But, you know. <laughs> in 81, I think Moreland was in the Phillies. Oh, right. He was still yeah. in the Phillies organization. Yeah. <laughs> but, but maybe. Maybe. I like the thought of him being there. Maybe he saw him, in, uh, saw him at the saw, vet. Exactly. Or he saw them as a kid in Texas right. on the same tour. But I just thought it was so hip. Like, you know, I'm thinking... You know, and I was... This kid that was like... I was fascinated by the fact that I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Don't they play, like, hockey or basketball in here? Like, that was, to me, like, way cooler 
the, you know, the Stones to me, I'm like, my brother is five years older. Right. He, him seeing this, he ended up working with Keith Richards. Right. He worked on Richards first solo record. Like he, that was like, all right. Right. You know, it's like when, you know, Darth Vader goes, I'm on, you know, I'm stay on target, you know, like, or whatever. Right. He was, I was, digging, I was like, I want to be the bass player in a bump band. That's me. So, yeah, but Chicago, man, we had, you know, we had a blast. And I just, I'll never forget my old man, like, in his infinite P.T. Barnumness, Like, we drove there, and then we drove to Texas for a wedding. I'm like, why are we driving, like, 3,100 miles, right. man? Right. Get some plane tickets. We can do this in three hours. It was great, but I've, I fell in love with Chicago, man, like, right then and there. It, it's a great city. I was actually just there um, uh, for the first time in a while, and, you know, it's... I, I don't know that I'd ever move back there, but it's it's, it's a great place to visit and yeah. really always has been. I mean, you know what, I've, I've always found that, like, anywhere you go in this country, if you say you're from Chicago, like, people will give you, you know, respect and possibly even love because yeah. it's just like, because everybody has had a great time when they went to Chicago. It's like the John Goodman of America. You right, know, right. Like, yeah, how can you hate? Exactly. It's like, yeah, hey, everybody, everybody got drunk on Rush Street or Division. Yeah. Everybody had a great deep dish pizza. Everybody had, you know, yeah. like saw a game at Wrigley Field or, you know, or... Uh, or they went out to Mr. Beef's. Uh, right, right, right. Right, yeah. went to Al's or, yeah. or, right, or Mr. Beef or, or, or Portillo's where I went recently. Oh, okay. But, but, you know, they're, they're there's like there are so many po- just like immediately positive associations without this sort of like you know um, you know the negativity that can be part of the New York or LA experience yeah. or yeah. you know or San Francisco is just a little too liberal for people's blood oh, right. or whatever you know but it's like but if you say you're from Chicago it's like ah well you got to be good people yeah you it's know, America's right city. you know it's America's city right you know New York yeah, yeah right it's stealing our money no that's that's for sure well you know what let's let's touch a little bit on both books but but I really want to I kind of talk a little bit more about Stars and Strikes because it's gonna it'll it'll be out when uh, April 29th is the release date. Oh, you stayed in the 70s. Yeah. For the, for the, so, was it something that came up during the research and the writing of the, you know, of Green Hair, Green Hair, <laughs> Green Hair, Green Hair and Ham, Green Hair and Ham. That's you should do a children's book, <laughs> Green Hair and Plastic Grass, uh, Big Hair and Plastic Grass. Did something happen during the writing of that book? Yes. And then. Basically, you know, big hair and plastic grass. I it, most of the book is each chapter is it's a year by year, season by season thing. Writing the 1976 chapter in Big Hair and Plastic Grass was out of all of them the most frustrating because I felt like that year had so much color, so much interesting stuff going on, and I just you know it didn't have enough room to really do it justice in in the you know just in like 20 pages right uh, i also long believed that 1976 is a really important season because in addition to everything we've already talked about that's the year right before the free agent floodgates open you know the first free agent draft is in november of 1976 um that is the year where um ted turner takes over the braves it is the year where Charlie Finley tries to essentially just, you know, dismantle the, you know, the greatest team of the 70s with a fire sale. Um, he succeeded by that. Which he did succeed. Not as quickly or as lucratively as Mr. Finley would have hoped. Um, but um, 
you know, and and of course, like the Royals uh, Yankees uh, playoffs was just insane. And but it tends to get overlooked because the World Series was such a downer. It's yeah, like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like the, 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 the Reds were back, like the Yankees were a good team, but clearly not in their league. And they just, you know, just, you know, swept them four games to nothing. The Yankees were barely in it, you know, for like one of the games. And, right. you know... Maybe some semi upside to that as a Yankees fan is like they got their feet wet again. Exactly, and they're ready to come back right. and kick some Dodger ass. Right, and and you know, and Steinbrenner, you know, for all his faults, saw that they needed a Reggie Jackson, and you know they, you, know, you don't get a Reggie Jackson type. You get, get Reggie a Reggie Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> Whereas like Billy Martin wanted Joe Rudy. You know, <laughs> Joe Rudy would not like. Like, like I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that Joe Rudy would not have led the Yankees to a World Series victory in '77. I don't think he would. Have. So, um, so, so there was all this, all this stuff, and then all this cultural stuff, like the bicentennial. Like it, that was such a weird and interesting time to be alive, to be a kid, especially in America in 1976. And it was like the first year in ages where were not involved in a war anywhere. You so know? weird. And for it, such a warring culture right. to have its birthday and it's like, yeah, we're not at war. Right, right. And it's this president. He's kind of a nice guy. Right, 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 right. Carter gets elected and, yeah. and, and then the whole you know, what I, I say in the book, it's kind of like it's it's like for once we embraced our inner Ben Franklin instead of our inner right. John Wayne. You know, it's just like, yeah, America, like, we came up with all these great ideas and inventions and, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, this great experiment of democracy and it works. Let's build a space shuttle. Right, right, right. You know, let's paint the fire hydrants red, white, and blue, you know, yeah. and, and, and celebrate. And so, like, but then again, you've got, like, you know, riots over busing in, in, in yeah. Boston. You've yeah. got... Um, uh, Mayor Rizzo in Philly, like like trying to get the na- trying to get the National Guard to come in. One of the worst human beings, yeah, ever. ever. Yeah. And and uh, you got you know in Baltimore, they try to make the world's biggest cake, and it gets overrun by rats. And you know, I mean, the, there's just like all this stuff that 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 I find incredibly cool. And so How many pages on the rats. Yeah, if only they'd Not gotten their own. I'm writing right, own, yeah. right. If only they'd gotten their own base. Card. That that would have been awesome. So you know, uh, um, and then music. It was this really interesting period where punk rock is really you know starting to happen in New York, but it hasn't really you know has like out, you know the Ramones go to England and play on the Fourth of July there, and and that's like huge for the British punk scene. But they don't really influence the rest of America in the same way. So it's, you know, this sort of reverse yeah. uh, invasion. Um, disco is happening, but it's it hasn't reached the critical mass that it will with Saturday Night Fever. Right. You know, um, so, and, and soul music is kind of like going, becoming disco-fied. Johnny Taylor has the hit with Disco Lady, yeah. you know, and, you know, which is basically just like a 40-year-old black man, like, talking about how, like, you know, like, I was checking out this girl on the dance floor. It's really creepy if you oh, listen to the lyrics. Uh, but you know, If I think of soul music, that that's the crossroads for it, just sort of like 
beginning to just die. Yeah, yeah. I that's, mean, you know, the eight, you know, the eighties are right around the corner, and it's it like, becomes lush, overproduced, and you know, a lot of it, like you can't really tell what's soul, what's disco. Yeah. Um, then you've got like Boston's first album comes out in '76, which is made for about the same amount of money that the Ramones' first album is made for. Yet it's just this like sonic cathedral of you know crushed velvet guitars and and so it's there it was just you know just in a, a time of so much transition uh you know musically baseball uh movies that you know rocky comes out and all right. of a sudden like nobody wants the anti-hero movies anymore right. you know isn't jaws that summer the jaws is 75 is it 75 but carrie was 76 carrie and rocky actually they came out around the same time but 76 you know you've got like bad news bears taxi driver you know, when Taxi Driver is like the ultimate like New York fucked up anti-hero film. Absolutely. And so that comes out in the spring and then in like November you get Rocky. And it just everything flips. Yeah. So so I just felt like like well, this be... needs its own book. And uh, plus it's an excuse for me to, you know, uh, you know, live in 1976 every day for several months while I did yeah. the research and wrote about it and uh, and it, it, I, I had a blast, and uh, and I hope that comes through in, in the actual book. I hope so, too, because I haven't read it. Because <laughs> apparently I have to wait. I'm not special. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Epstein on the podcast. Thank you so much Thank for you, joining Adam. us. It was, this was a pleasure. This was beyond a pleasure, because I didn't have to talk about jazz. Or I just was like, <laughs> finally got to talk. Charlie, we didn't talk about jazz, man. We were, we didn't get like bitter, angry people. And meanwhile, you're like, you know, like, you know, Adam Dorn tells me, yeah, me and Charlie Hunter have this podcast, so I'm thinking like, oh, cool, I get to talk about jazz for a change. Nope, no jazz, Epstein. <laughs> Verboten. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs>